Hi, and welcome to Thriving with Sarah and Jenny. Please join us as we explore how you can enjoy a happier life and a fulfilling career, things that aren't always that easy in our modern world. We'll be taking a look to how you can explore well-being both inside and outside the workplace, how to prevent burnout, how to achieve true happiness in work and life, and so much more. So stick around. everyone and welcome to this episode of Thriving with Sarah and Jenny. Today we are going to talk about the power of the pause. Da, da, da. Did that on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to start out with a little story. Um, I very excitingly got to go away for work from my home for the first time uh, since about March 2020. So that was very exciting. And I got in my car. I live just outside Cambridge and I drove to Stratford upon Avon. And I obviously was not on my phone or my laptop for that hour and a half whilst I drove there. I'm very pleased to hear that you weren't there. <laughs> safety first absolutely (laughs) and um when I arrived Jenny I had 24 emails unread emails I had 38 whatsapp messages no (laughs) and somewhere in the region of 19 LinkedIn notifications. Oh, good grief. Now, I don't have (laughs) notifications on Facebook or Instagram, so I don't even want to know what was left over on there. So it was very powerful for me to see that I am almost never away for an hour and a half, Mm. but also neither is anyone else. That's true. Mm -hmm. So during the day, I think part of this you know, fatigue and working and all the things we're doing uh, is everyone is here communicating all the time. Mm. And so no one's going off to a meeting, right? When you're at a meeting, you're still at your laptop. When you're at a conference, you're still at your laptop. You're no one at the moment is ever off. And it was even though I kind of know that it was really shocking to actually have a point where I was actually away from my desk for an hour and a half and to see the evidence of the amount of kind of interactions I probably would have been having in that hour and a half. That's insane, isn't it? But what a reality check. And what I want to know is how had you felt up until that point when you realized that all this has been happening in the background? Um to not be, you know, communicating with others online or staring at a screen. I mean, did you notice the difference by being in a car and driving and doing things differently? Uh, the first half hour, I have to say, I was I was pretty anxious. Um, I think that was probably like leaving my house and being on a motorway and driving and all those things as well. But it probably was also... I was waiting for the the bings and the dings and all those things. And and I knew I wasn't having it. And then after that, I kind of settled into it and I was able to look at the scenery around me and actually really enjoy that space and time. I put on some classical music and, and that was really nice. Um, But uh, yeah, it, it was definitely a 
physical, I think there was probably some physical unplugging. Yeah. That's why I asked, because I think with an hour and a half's journey like that, you've got sufficient time to actually notice the difference. If it had been as like a 20 minute drive or something like that, you may not have had the same um, realization that you're going, whoo. And, and just relaxing into it because you wouldn't have had the time to do so. Um, and hopefully you might not have had so many messages waiting for you at the end, <laughs> at the end either. But it's, isn't it interesting because I think your, your insight into the fact that we have been spending the whole of the last 12, 15 months online engaged with multiple channels of communication as well as the screen. And while it's been an absolute lifesaver, it's also, I think, contributed enormously to the amount of fatigue that we are all experiencing because partly it's the emotional fatigue associated with dealing with this pesky virus, which just has not only outstayed its welcome, it's also made it clear <laughs> that it's not packing its bags and leaving anytime soon, which is very rude. Um, so we've got all that to contend with. And in addition, with the change in how we go about our lives and our work, we are doing things very differently and we are engaging with our technology to a far higher level, I imagine, yeah. than before. And, and it was interesting. I was talking with someone just a couple of days ago and uh, he, he has got big issues around boundaries of work. Mm -hmm. Uh, he's clearly very dedicated, very committed, likes his work, wants to do well. Um, and he's now in this hybrid place where he's spending a couple of days at home and a couple of days in the office. And while he enjoys going to the office because he's now in contact again with his colleagues who he hadn't seen for over a year, which is really good, he's now feeling really bad about his commute time because he sees it as a waste of time because he could be using that time to work. And the reason he doesn't is because he gets travel sick if he's engaged with his laptop or his phone or yep. not his, phone, yep. but his laptop if, he's, if he tries that. So I'm thinking, well, that's a blessing because it means that he's actually having to make a break yeah, his work because he said otherwise, you know, I, and he said as a, to compensate for the time lost, as he perceives it, because he's had to commute, he's now mm -hmm. spending more time in the evenings working on a computer and oh, working no. until midnight or 1 a.m. in the morning. And I'm mm -hmm. thinking, no, please don't do this. <laughs> At the moment, he hasn't got the insight to know what he could be doing differently. And I think it would be great to have a chat today about the power of the pause and why if we choose to do less, we actually get more done because it sounds so counterintuitive, doesn't it? But also we hear it all the time, but we, we definitely don't practice it, do we? No, we don't. No, we don't. <laughs> because with all these other reasons like the guilt and sort of we don't want to be left behind and we don't want to feel more overwhelmed because we've got so much on our plates at the moment. So I think we need to look at the, what the science tells us. Um, we know about the danger of overworking um, you know, doing too many hours per week. Yep. Yeah. But you know, every day, it's it's like we set off to run a marathon. Now, I've never actually trained for a marathon. I'm not sure how far I'd get because <laughs> <laughs> running's never really been my thing. But I do know that some days, you know, it seems to be that you're on the go from the minute you open your eye eyelids, 
and it's work, 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 work. You're thinking about work and there's things going on and you're going from one meeting to the next, to the next, to the next. And then there's other stuff happening in the background. And it's like, oh, when am I going to stop to breathe, let alone go to the toilet or, or eat some lunch? Um, we, we drive ourselves so hard. And you can do that occasionally for one day. But what if that's your every day? What and I think that's a lot of people's every day right now. Mm. Try as they might and, and think think of not doing it. I'm absolutely guilty of it. Um, so so what is the science, Jenny? Why should we why should we have those pauses? What what does it do? So we know this does it. We know we shouldn't overwork. Yep, we don't we shouldn't go overwork. <laughs> Go to that we're not designed to pay focused attention for a long time. We've mm. evolved to pay attention to what's important or urgent because it might be potentially dangerous and then relax and do something a bit more sort of unfocused for a while. But because of the way in which we've cho chosen to work, we are trying to pay focused attention all day long. And it simply doesn't work because you end up totally exhausted. But there is a way around this, because I know that many people are in these back to back meetings all day long. And it's worse when you're on a screen, rather than um, being face to face, is to insert a little pause between meetings. Uh, it's interesting, the pushback I get on this when I say, look, you know, do you take a lunch break? Because we know that 55% of Australians don't. <laughs> Oh my goodness. So they work oh all day, you know, just grabbing cups of coffee, but on the go all the time. And I, I say, well, you know, do you work to your ultradian rhythm? And they look at me as if I'm from Mars and they go, you what? And I say, your ultradian rhythm. You've got to get it with the, you've got to get it with the rhythm because it's just like our circadian rhythm, which we're, we're more familiar yeah. about now and how we react to light and dark. But the ultradian rhythm, as it's called, is our energy rhythm. It pulsates gently through our day over a 90-minute cycle. So every 90 minutes, we have a peak of energy, and then it goes down. And then we have a rise to the next peak of energy, and then it goes down. And when you consider you've only got two hours, roughly, of really grade A thinking time each day, Wow, that you allocate the right time for you to do your most cognitively demanding tasks. Now, for me, that means I do it in the morning when mm -hmm. I'm at my freshest. Yeah, same. <laughs> and so for many of us, we go through a ritual when we get up in the morning. I don't know how long you spend to get up. I mean, it depends if you're late too. <laughs> but Imagine you're getting up because you've got to go to work. You're going to an office or you're going to a conference or you're doing something. You're leaving the house now that yeah. we've got permission to do that. Oh, it's so exciting. Um, <laughs> so we, we go through the, the ritual of you know, getting dressed, having a shower, having breakfast, doing whatever we do. And basically it takes us probably about an hour and a half, if we're honest, to go from woe to go. So from bed to the office, maybe about that time, depending on your commute time. Then you start work. And if you were to follow the old fashioned way of working, which mm -hmm. used to be from nine to five, it actually broke itself into very nice chunks of 90 minutes. We, we never realized that at the time, but we were doing it quite correctly because we started at nine. We had a mid-morning break and then we worked till lunchtime, had a proper one hour break 
for lunch and went back to work <laughs> and then stopped mid-afternoon for afternoon tea and then worked till five and then went home and stopped. Yeah. And we've lost the art of the pause, which is to instill those little breaks between meetings or focused chunks of work. So depending on who you are and what you do, it may be easier or harder to chunk your day into blocks of time. But the gold lies in the uh, the recovery time. Now, in an ideal world, that will be 20 minutes. And I know I've spoken to people in certain workplaces and they say, Jenny, I haven't got time to scratch myself, let alone take a 20-minute break in between meetings. It's not going to work. I say, okay, I hear you. But you've probably got two minutes or even one minute. And just instilling that little pause, that little mental breather or brain break, whatever you like to call it, is a fantastic way to lower your stress so that you can think more clearly again. You've got your emotions back under control because your stress is lower and your performance goes up. There's been some beautiful work um, done investigating what's called our physiological intelligence. This is headed up by um, a chap called Andrew McDonald from the University of, he's affiliated to the University of Loughborough and he's got his own company called PQ. And he discovered this when working with sort of elite athletes that in order to win your race, if you are at the top of your game, the difference between being a Roger Federer of tennis or a Tiger Woods of golf isn't necessarily how much talent or time you put into the practice. It's the recovery strategies you have in place. Those points. Yeah. That they have instilled that make the biggest difference. Isn't that interesting? So it's not so interesting. So and I'm assuming they're not uh, they're not doing what we're doing, which is, oh, I finished my meeting. Now I can do my day work in the breaks between. <laughs> I'm assuming that's not the type of recovery you're talking about, Jenny. Well, it's definitely not the type of recovery I'm talking about, <laughs> nor is checking your Facebook or other social media channels because you're you're engage in more screen time and yeah it's it's adding to your stress more not relieving it but but the fascinating is just the breath I mean just stopping to breathe and taking that slow gentle exhalation nobody's going to notice your breathing because hopefully they're all breathing too um but it just you could feel that sort of muscular tension just flowing away and just taking t- you know two or three slow breaths is a fantastic way to do it Looking out of your window, assuming that you have a window to look out of, particularly if it's looking out onto a green space, is a fantastic way. Again, all that cortisol starts to diminish and and it helps to restore your ability to pay attention again. And that only needs to take 30 seconds. And that's part of that, you know, if we're not in that rhythm, then where do we go? We go up like this, you know, and, and it's great because, you know, cortisol is super and stress is great for the peak performance. You know, if you're Roger Federer, if you're Tiger Woods, if you're a sprinter, if you're at work, it, it helps us, it sharpens us, right? Absolutely. But then we absolutely have to have this break. And if we don't, that's when stress becomes toxic stress, right? And yes, the, the crazy levels of cortisol, which, yeah. which could do yeah. all the damage. Yeah. And those recovery phases are important to instill during or across our workday, but also before and after work. So not all the recovery has to be done at work. 
it's those activities that you might be doing before you go to work. I mean, it depends on your routine, depends what works for you and your schedule. And if you've got kids to organize and get to school and do all their preschool activities, it may be harder. But you know what I mean? It's about scheduling it in to make it happen. So I think what I would encourage our listeners to do is to think about all the opportunities of what they know because they've practiced them before actually work as great recovery activities. And it could be anything from breathing to yoga to um, taking the dog for a walk or having a cup mm-hmm. of coffee or whatever. What, what are some of your recovery strategies? I think, um, yeah, obviously I have a dog. So going for a dog walk is great. Actually, just physically leaving my desk because at home, we're not doing that. Yeah, you know, or I'm not doing that. I don't think no. people are doing that. Um, you can still hear the dinging. You can still hear that. So physically, you know, closing the lids, turning off the sounds, um, just going. And actually, so I got myself a really nice uh, coffee machine as a present to myself. Ooh, Happy coffee. Right? Nice. And I love the, again, the rhythm. I have to, I have to take the little coffee holder thing I have to scoop the coffee and I have to press it down I have to fit it into the machine I have to warm it up and actually I'm really enjoying being very mindful of that yes that creation and it's all it probably takes two to three minutes right so it's not long but I really try to because I have to use both my hands for it I can't be holding on to anything I can't be so you know, even when you're making a cup of tea or doing your lunch, just trying to be present and enjoy that the kind of ritual for me of making the coffee, I'm even gonna, um, I'm gonna take it further for myself, and buy coffee beans and not grind, I'm going to grind them fresh. So again, so it's a ritual, where I have these steps that I can be involved in. And I'm really loving bringing small kind of it's not ritual itself, but ritual focus into those little things yes. and and enjoying their rhythm mm. of pausing, you know, all those things. Um, so I like going, I have a lovely long, it's 100 meter garden. So I can go outside, have a really long walk up and down. It doesn't take very long, but outside, I'm away from things. Um, it allows me to take a break. but. Even if I have zero time, I do square breathing. I'm oh, yes. sure. Yes, square I'm breathing. Share, yeah. share, share with our listeners how that works because it's yeah. sad to see, but it's so powerful. So powerful. You can even just do it once. I do it sometimes when I'm giving a talk just to slow some of the stress and cortisol down. So um, a, a lovely Andrea um, said count of four, but I can think do three or four, however you do. And, and she just has you go breathe in. Breathe out. Pause. Even just that gives you a sense of doing it. See you're doing it. But that tells your body you're no longer in stress, slowing our breathing. So just breathing in, holding it, breathing out. It makes it makes your brain know I'm not in danger. I don't need fight or flight. I don't yeah. need cortisol. And doing yeah. that, I just have a sense of calm. Uh, so those are my couple tips. Longer, shorter. 
I felt calm just listening to you explain that, Sarah. It was beautiful. Thank you. And I love your coffee ritual. And I think you'll get even more pleasure out of it when you start grinding your beans, when you get that <laughs> as they're being processed. Um, but the, the power of the ritual is, is great. And I think, you know, having these, these rituals embedded into our way of being are, are very powerful stress strategies. And uh, so, yeah, enjoy and do them regularly. You know, if we do them every single day, then we're getting the ongoing benefit, which is, which is fantastic. So awesome. How about you? Is there any great uh, suggestions for you? You know, what can people do if they're commuting or at their desk or at home? Um, what are some good? I think quick for me, because I, I tend to get, you know, lost in, in what I'm doing sometimes. And then I think, oh, bladder's a bit full or, oh, I need a drink of water. Um, and then I realise just how long I've been sitting at my desk. And I think, oh, that's not good. So what I'm trying to do now is make sure that I get up physically at ah. least. Well, I try to do it every hour. I don't always quite manage it, but I aim for every hour I get up and I stand or I move around or I go and get a cup of coffee or I make myself a get a glass of water or whatever it is just so that I'm moving and I'm not just perpetually sitting because the longer I sit the more sluggish I become and I can feel my energy going down and and we know that being too sedentary across our day is is really energy depleting so it seems ridiculous isn't it you know you're sitting how can you be getting low in energy from sitting but it's tiring when you sit too much so if if we stand more we actually boost our energy. We feel that we've got the energy and the capacity to think more clearly and make better decisions, et cetera, et cetera. And that, there's a lovely, um, there's a campaign going on in, in Britain. Um, mm -hmm. I'm trying to think what it's called. Something like um, stand up on your feet or keep standing or something like that. And they're sending out lots of little tips to encourage people to stand up more. And I think that's the one of the biggest things that we can do to help ourselves because we know exercise makes a difference, but we're not going to exercise all day, but we can certainly move more than we actually are. And the best way to start moving is to stand up. And I sometimes like to work standing up. So I've actually got oh, one of those yeah. on my desk, which yeah. is what I'm using at the moment. So anytime I'm speaking on a Zoom call, I'm standing because yes. it helps me to breathe more effectively. Yeah. Um, and, and so I just look for the opportunities to be on my feet more often. So that, that's br a brilliant one. You know, and again, when, when we're at home, we don't do that as often no. as I think in the office, because in the office you have to, you know, you have to walk to someone's desk. You have to walk to the printer. You have yeah. to walk. So we're, we're just completely um, out of, out of our, out of our rhythm, out of our work rhythm, we are, and, yeah. and we and we haven't made those spaces. So I, I love that um, the standing, but I love my standing desk. It's a it's a lovely. I've even actually seen someone who has a a walking desk. <gasps> oh, really? So they, has a desk which is a treadmill. Yes, yeah, yeah. And because she's on meetings all day, she said she'll do 17, 18 miles a day. I was like, wow, wow that's amazing. That is. Yeah, it's amazing. And I'm so sure we get used to it quite quickly. But uh, yes. I have to say, I've only seen somebody using one of those once when I was online for a course and the presenter 
was presenting his lecture on a tread pewter. Wow. It was really distracting because I was looking at him because I was thinking, why is he moving around so much? Because, you know, (laughs) 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 he's going to forget he was on it and he would just stop and then go flying off the back or something. And I thought this is actually more distracting than good. I know he's benefiting from it, but it wasn't good for his students. (laughs) Just a happy medium, right? A happy happy medium. medium. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, amazing. Well, I hope you guys found this useful. I really did. I hope you take a moment, you know, to reflect on how overwhelmed we are with uh, with this kind of need for interaction. Um, and uh, and I really like some, you know, some companies are doing that booking meetings uh, with the five minute space. So so yes. welcome to do that. And and don't do what I do and do your your day job when you're not on a meeting, <laughs> get yourself, find yourself your ritual, uh, find yourself your, your space of green or blue. I think we said in the, in an earlier yeah. podcast um, and take those, those micro breaks, mm. Uh, mm. your body and your mind will really thank you for it. Absolutely. So uh, thank you so much for joining us for this session. And as Sarah said, hope you've got lots of ideas of what you could be doing. But the main thing is to actually do it. Um, It's one thing to know that it's great to take a little micro break. But my challenge to you is to go through, write down as many of your little recovery strategies as you can, and then to look for opportunities to slot them into your day and meet the benefits. We're looking forward to seeing you again on the next podcast. We'll be having a chat about something else to do with how to thrive during a pandemic, and we'll speak then. Bye for now. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Thriving with Sarah and Jenny. We hope you've enjoyed listening to it as much as we did recording it. And you can always get involved in the well-being conversation at all of our social links in the show notes. Until next time, stay safe, stay happy, and thrive in whatever you do.